Ron Ananian. I think you have to really address technology and, you know, really embrace it. Even on a slow day, I can have a three-way chat with two women at one time. I'm so much cooler online. The Car Doctor. So much cooler online. Some of the decisions I've made in the past two years to alter the shop's direction and instead of going more towards nuts and bolts, which is clearly not the future. It was encouraging to see that, yeah, embracing technology is clearly the way to go. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in, sit down. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at your service. Glad to be here each and every week as I get to be, as you choose me to be. Um, as you, I know you have a lot of things to do over the weekend, and um, I appreciate you taking the time to spend this two-hour segment with me if you're here for the whole two hours. And if not, we're glad to have you for whatever kind of time frame we get you for. The phone number is 855-560-9900. Again, that number is 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 number. We are here at your service Saturday afternoons live Eastern time, 2 to 4 p.m. is when this show is on the air live. But that 855-560-9900 number, you can leave a message. There's a 24-7 answering service there. And when he gets back from vacation, because he is out on vacation this week, he's out on the Louisville love hunt, as we call it. And um, he's off and uh, Harry's out seeing America. Uh, So if you see somebody, by the way, in a silver Nissan broken down on the side of the road and he's jumping up and down, that's Harry. He's uh, somewhere in, uh, I think he's down around Cleveland now, as I understand it. But uh, he's making his way west. Uh, he's taking about three days to take the 11-hour trip to Louisville. But um, in any event, Harry will call you back and uh, get you in queue for the next live broadcast if you call in at 855-560-9900. Casual observations. And um, I should point out that this week begins our T-shirt giveaway. We're going to be giving away a Car Doctor T-shirt one each hour. Uh, we will do that around the 42-43 mark, and we have a couple of winners already lined up, so we already know what we're going to do this week, but we are looking for your questions for next week. We're going to change the rules up a little bit if I can before I start. Send me an email. Here's what I want. Here's the most important thing, all right, and understand what what this is about. We're, we're trying to get T-shirts into your hands, but we're also trying to see what's on your mind. Don't like the post we put on Facebook. Like the page. Get out to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Like the page. It can't be any simpler than that. I realize, and, and I can understand why some people have problems getting cars fixed because we seem to be confusing people, even though we've said this a half a dozen times. This isn't too technical, folks. It's not nearly as hard as fixing a car. Like the Car Doctor Facebook page and ask a question. If we pick it, we will send you a Car Doctor t shirt with all the love and joy in our hearts to get you to wear it and uh, enjoy it while you can. Also, keep in mind, I would also like you to. Email it to me. Some of you are having a problem figuring out where on the Facebook page to put that. So if you're having a hard time, like the page, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and we'll put the information up on the page for you if that helps you out at all. But one way or another, we're trying to make it so that you can go to Facebook, get some information, and get a T-shirt. Casual observations, because I see the phones are busy. We're going to go over the phones real quick. I noticed today driving around as I'm getting ready to do the show, you notice how cars are starting to look alike? And I don't think this is anything new. 
driving down the road, I went past somebody's driveway, and I had to do a double take. It was a silver Ford Escape and a silver Honda CRV. You know, if you're driving by at 30 and you don't look twice, they look almost identical. The badging is getting to be similar. The little body lines are definitely getting to be similar. And it just kind of makes me sad that cars don't have that distinctiveness that they once did. And it, it seems to be getting worse where they're all just going to be molded hard hats rolling down the road. Another observation, saw somebody driving around in a brand new car today, and I could tell it was a new car. It had temporary tags on it, and the hood latch was undone. And I couldn't help but think that they weren't familiar with the controls, released what they thought was the parking brake, and they had the hood latch on the second latch driving along at 40. So if you're driving a new vehicle, please make sure you know where the hood release is, and please make sure you know what the controls are before you start out. Because as hard as I tried to catch up to that person and go, hey, hood, I think that's going to be a problem for them somewhere down the line. Let's kick open the garage doors. My first caller this hour, uh, this is a little bit of a, a surprise for me. I don't think in all my years on radio I've ever been the one to be interviewed, but we're doing this at the request of Madeline. She's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I understand she's 12 years old. She's attending a class or taking a class on technology and auto repair. She needs to interview a mechanic, and lucky me, I'm the guy. So without any further ado, I guess we're going to turn the microphone over to Madeline. Are you there? Hey. How are you? Good. How about you? Good. I've never been anybody's homework before. Oh, well, I guess this is the first time for both of us. There you go. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is it that you're you're taking in school? Well, I'm a 12-year-old girl from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I go to Edison Middle School. Okay. A class that I'm taking is called uh, Technology, and we make uh, CO2 cars. And now we're doing a presentation on a career that we want to do when we grow up. And you want? And I want to be a mechanic. You want to be a mechanic? Well, good for you. Yes, I do. Hey, more power to you. You know what? We need <laughs> we need people that can do this. And if you have interest in it, that's half the battle. Yeah. So, so what what sort of things are they teaching there about cars at Edison Middle School? Um, like well, we made CO two cars that we raced. We built it out of pine cars and like the suspension that we learned and like uh, aerodynamics and how wind can affect how fast your car goes. Mm. And listen, don't don't take anything that they teach you too lightly because I'll tell you what, it's from those little things you learn at this age that can make you into an engineer somewhere 10 yeah. years, 15 years down the road. So fire away. What kind of questions is it that we need to answer? Okay. So one of the questions I have to ask you is how many years have you been a mechanic? <sighs> 43. Wow. I, I, I wish I could do that when I grow up. Yeah, I started I started turning wrenches at the tender age of 16, and I've been doing it. I, I'll be 60 in August. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've been doing it almost Congrats. 44 years. Thank you. Second question. What is your favorite part of being a mechanic? Oh, that's easy. I like fixing the hard to fix. I like taking something that I don't understand and understanding it while at the same time solving a problem for somebody that nobody else could, could solve that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a, I, I think to be a mechanic, I think like anything else to do a good job today, I think you've got to have a, just a touch of ego said the guy who's on radio and you know, you've got to be able to thump your chest. And if you look at everything as, Oh, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that you lose the significance of it. I think if you're going to be successful in whatever you do in life, 
You want to be able to thump your chest and say, look what I did. And I, I get to do that by fixing something nobody else can fix. Yeah, that's really, that's cool. So, um, you know, just, just one-on-one you and me, just, yeah, that's the way it is. I, I, I love that. You know, I remember as a kid, I'll never forget my fascination. You know, I didn't think I was going to be a mechanic forever. I didn't start out to be a mechanic, but it just, you know, the universe always brought me back to fixing cars. I, I used to go see my friend Russell when he worked at the Volkswagen dealership. And, I'll, you know, we'd hang out and Russell was Russell started out as a mechanic working on cars and I was doing it part time at, at the moment. And I remember there was a guy up there and he, he was Tony. We called him Fat Tony because he weighed about 400 pounds. He was this big giant of a man. You got to realize two 18, 19 year old kids. This is a big this is a big impact on our life. And we would watch Tony work on Volkswagens every day and he was the he was the top dog in the shop and he worked on the hard to solve the ridiculous to solve he had every hard problem under the sun one day he got a a four-cylinder volkswagen this is the late 70s he got a four-cylinder volkswagen diesel and i'll never forget this it came off the truck brand new it didn't make enough power and he worked oh, on no. that he worked on that car for three days and he took everything apart and he looked at everything and he you know went through the whole gamut of what could be wrong with that car and on the third day, because I would always stop by and see Russell for lunch, he knew we were interested. He said, come on over. I'll show you what I found. And the exhaust manifold, the four exhaust ports, had been drilled, but one of the exhaust ports only had been drilled about an inch and a half down inside the manifold. You couldn't, well, even, you you, you couldn't even see it. And Tony basically took, he took a flexible wand, and he went down each port, and he went down one of the ports, and it was clunk. And it didn't go all the way through, and somebody didn't drill out the exhaust manifold properly on the assembly line, and that's what made that engine run like it did. And when I looked at that, I always remember that because that was the most difficult thing at the time I had ever seen, and it made Tony feel good. You could see Tony thump his chest, and I said, you know what? That's got to be a great feeling. That's why I want to be a mechanic, and voila, here I am. Yeah, that's cool. So thank you. Next question. Next question. What kind of school do I need to get hired as a mechanic? The school of hard, the school of hard knocks. You know, you, <laughs> you, you need to, and I get this a lot, I, I think to be a mechanic, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what, Madeline, this is our first conversation, but I think you got more on the ball than uh, most of the mechanics I've talked to lately. You, you've got desire, and, and that's the first school that you have to pass. If you've got desire... Uh, my late father-in-law always said the cream always rises to the top, and where there's a will, there's a way, not to be cliche. I think you've got to go get some kind of trade school, but I think you've also got to realize that if you go to a two-year technical school on automotive, it, it's only half – It's only you're, you're only a half or third of the way in. You know, just because you graduate with that degree in hand, there's just too many things you're going to see in real life when you're working in the garage in terms of what happens and, and, and how and – all those unexpected things that book learning just doesn't teach you. And and to a large degree, it's like life is like cars. And I think I would go get a job, you know, when you can, when you turn of working age, I would go get a job sweeping up in a garage. If there's a local garage that will give you a job, you know, from time school gets out at 3 o'clock till 5 o'clock supper time, just sweep the floor for a year and just watch what sure. the mechanics go through and, and, and see what they learn. And, and you'll see and get the idea of what it is to fix cars. And then from that point, go take a trade school. And then from that stage, get out and get into a garage. Anybody that will hire you 
and just listen. Don't talk a lot. Ask the questions where you can, but just be prepared to absorb what you can. And it'll take easily four to six years of an apprenticeship of that type before you've absorbed enough that you 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 can you can you know carry the wrench and do it on your own. Hey, Madeline, I got to pull over and take a pause. Sit tight right sure. where you are. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to only do half the homework. When we come back, we'll finish up this assignment. All right. Okay. Thank you, Madeline. I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor here with Madeline from Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'll both be back right after this. Baby. Welcome back. Ron and in the car doctor rolling along this hour. Talking to Madeline, Green Bay, Wisconsin, helping her with her homework as uh, I am the homework. This segment this hour as we're talking to her. She's talking to me, actually. I'm being interviewed about being an auto mechanic. Madeline, are you still there? Madeline? Wait a minute. Okay, so there you are. Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Um, okay. uh, so anyway, uh, let's, let's go. What's the next question? The next question. What qualifies do you look for when you hire people? That's easy. Uh, you know, and I've hired a few over over my years, and I do a very informal interview. And but you have to understand, I'm a smaller repair shop. We're three bays, four if you count the one outside. You know, at my biggest, I've only been a half a dozen guys. You know, I do. You know, obviously, I take a job application. I will look at where they've been, what they're capable of doing, presentation. Are they neat and clean? And I'm not looking for somebody wearing Park Avenue clothes, but I'm looking for somebody that shows up orderly, and I have to think about how they're going to represent my business. That's important because appearance counts in auto repair, and Mm -hmm. manners counts in auto repair, and common sense counts in auto repair like it does in so many other things. But I actually do the best part of my interview. I do a very informal interview, and when I'm done, I usually wander out to the shop and I start sweeping the floor. And I'll sweep really? the and I'll sweep the floor for five minutes, and they'll watch me. Now I'll get done with sweeping the floor, and while I'm standing there sweeping up, once in a while one of them will take out a cigarette, finish the cigarette, and put it out in the pile of ash on the floor, and you know look at me like, oh yeah, I can pick it up. Sometimes they'll flick the ash on the floor. Sometimes they'll leave the cigarette butt in the heart to get spot. Sometimes they don't see the no smoking sign. And generally, the ones that smoke in the shop don't seem to get the job too quick because they're not the ones that I'm really concerned with. They're not too alert. But the one that does get the job is, over the years, have always been the ones that, when I was done sweeping the floor, they went and got the dustpan. They figured it out. Oh, cool. All right. And I figured if they could, if they could, if they could finish my thought, if they could finish my sentence, then they know what I'm thinking, then we're compatible because that's probably one of the biggest things about auto repair. you got to be compatible. I think whether you're in a small repair shop or you're in a 20-person dealership, you know, you're going to be working side-by-side side with somebody, and when they're reaching for the wrench, you've got to be reaching for the ratchet, and you've got to know what size off the top of your head. So anticipating somebody's moves always impresses me. And yeah, you have to work together. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. If you find somebody that, you know, you're both reaching for the screwdriver at the same time, and it happens at the same moment, yeah, there's a compatibility issue there. Somebody's somebody's wired different. And that's okay. They're just not wired for me. That's all. 
Yeah. So. Okay. Any more? Last question. Last question. Okay. What things can I do now to prepare myself for this career? How long have you wanted to be a mechanic? Since I was four. I started racing RC cars since right. I was four. Right. What What is it that you like about being a mechanic? Well, I, I love learning new stuff about the car, and I've built a four-wheel drive, and it's interesting how things work and how it all works together to make the car move. Right. Let me Let me tell you the story this way. Let me answer your question this way. You're on the right track, all right? Taking things apart and understanding how they work is half the battle. When my dad passed, my dad passed away when I was a little kid. I was a little younger than you. I was 11, and I was a lost kid. My father wasn't a mechanic. He was lead mechanic American Airlines during the war, and he worked on President Roosevelt's DC-3. And I remember as a little kid, I'd sit on the fender of the car and watch my father tune up the car before family vacation. And, um, you know, I remember my mom yelling, Harry, we've got to go. Yeah, okay, I'm just tuning up the car. I'll never forget it. And I learned a lot by watching, but I think what impressed me the most was the fact that he could take that car and, you know, it was in pieces. And then hours later, we went away on a trip. And my point is, after he was gone, I just started taking things apart. I was like you. All right. A lot of mechanical curiosity. How does it work? And how does it go back together? And, and, and that's the key. So to answer your question, you know, what can you do to prepare yourself? Keep taking things apart. Make sure you have permission of everybody because, unfortunately, I didn't. And when I started taking things apart at the age of 12, my mother came out at 15 and said, if you don't start putting some of these things back together, we had in a collection of washing machines, dishwashers, mini bikes, uh, go-karts, all kinds of things from the neighborhood collected in the backyard. She said, you're out of here, buddy. And I think she was kidding when she said it, but the fact remains that taking things apart and putting them back together taught me more than any book ever could. However, mm -hmm. the game's changed a little bit, and there's so much reading involved. And if I were to, if I was going to send somebody, if I was going to start to build the perfect mechanic, I would definitely make sure they know how to type, read, understand electricity, basic electricity. I would take a physics class. I would take a science class just to have a basic understanding of the relationships of things. All right? Sure. Make sure you know computers. And make sure, absolutely positively, you don't mind getting dirty and, and you know, dogging it with things over time because uh, some things are going to stick with you and you got to have some tenacity. Hey, Madeline, the clock's going to grab us, but listen, I just want to let you know it's been an absolute pleasure. Stay on the line because Tom Ray, my engineer, wants to get your information. We're going to send you and your dad out a couple of car doctor hats and T-shirts. And uh, we're going to make that. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, sweetheart. Good luck to you. And if you ever need anything, put me down as a character reference. I'll be glad to give you one. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor rolling along this hour. Wasn't that great? Madeline from Green Bay. I enjoyed that immensely. It's um, it's 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 encouraging to see the interest that um, some young people can have today. And uh, you realize when you get to this point in the career, you know what? You can have an influence and help the next generation. And that's what it's all about, folks. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. Anyway, 855-560-9900 is the Car Doctor phone number. Let's go over and talk to Frank, who's waiting there very patiently. He wants to talk about a 2002 Ford Explorer. Frank, you're on with the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? How you doing? Good. What's going on? 
what a, what a beautiful thing. That interview was excellent. Thank so you. So nice, you Thank know. You handled yeah. nice, and for that young lady, yeah. that's a future mechanic for yeah. sure. I want to I say, I, 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 I'd love to talk to her again in 10 years and, and see where she ends up because she's going to do something great, you can tell. No so, doubt. No yeah. doubt. I called you a few weeks ago about my 2002 Ford Explorer. Okay. Um, I'm a volunteer fireman, and um, it was cold then, and I found out I had no heat, even though we get down to the firehouse quick. Still, be nice to have some heat when you come out of the cold. Sure. And that flapper door that's in the dashboard, and you talked about how to get at it. Um, we ended up. What we did was we pulled the radio out and some of the console. We were able to get at it and, and replace it very easily without taking the whole dashboard out. Good. Good. Yeah. And and they've made some of that more readily available. And it it depends on which actuator actually goes bad. Before whether right. it's the whole dash right. or whether it's right. it's just a specific component. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, yeah. on the end of it, on the end of that door, there's a it's a there's a plastic piece. That's the one that rolls back and forth. Right. And it's a 2002. I keep it covered. Like it's it, it's immaculate, low mileage. But what happens is they dry out and they get a little brittle, and that's what happened. The teeth broke on it, so you can hear. You know, hear it clicking, clicking, clicking. But the old man's got some heat. We're doing good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. And Pete. thanks for the shirt. I wear it every Saturday. Oh, okay. You got your shirt. Yeah, we sent out a bunch of them. All the Car Doctor T-shirts from the previous couple of weeks are out. And uh, coming up next segment, we're going to give away another one. And uh, we're working on getting rid of the truckload that somehow got overordered. That's going to be our goal this year is to get as many Car Doctor T-shirts out into the public no as problem, we can. No problem, but a great show. So, and thanks. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome, Frank. You take good care. Let's get over and talk to Peter in Pomona, 99 Volkswagen. Some questions about oil leaks. Peter, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Oh, sounds good today. It was a very interesting segment on that young lady who wants to have uh, be an auto mechanic. Thank you. Thank you. And I agree with you that the cars are looking too much the same lately. That's why I have a Mercury Marauder. And uh, that transmission problem I had to talk to you about back in September, I got it serviced right away when it was slipping and... It's fine now, so I dodged the $2,500 bullet of rebuilding it. Good. Glad to hear it. How can I help you today, Peter? Well, my parents have a 1999 Volkswagen Passat with a four-cylinder engine. It has about 107,500 miles. Right. And it's having bad oil leaks. It looks like it's coming from the valve covers, uh, especially at the one at the top of the engine, and I had to add four quarts of oil in the last month. So what is your recommendation? How much of a, an ex- how much of a job is it? How much work is involved? How expensive will it be? And do you think it's worth doing? How many miles are on this, Peter? Uh, 107,500. You know, the the concern here becomes, and oil, obviously, we're going into the warm time of the year. Everything has a flash point. You know, right. so, sometimes oil leaks on older cars, it depends on how severe they are. You know, how fast are you adding oil? Uh, you know, is it a quart every 500 miles, a quart every 2,000 miles? Do you have any point of reference for how long it takes to add oil to it? It looks like about in the last, I guess it's a month, so I suppose that's just about 500 miles. I had to put in four quarts of oil, so it's starting to get real bad now. Okay. That week. So here's here's the first thing I would do. I would wash everything down. I would have a mechanic clean and wash the engine. If we've really okay. got a four-quart in 500 miles oil leak, the back bumper should be rust-proofed at this point. There should be oil right. along the entire floor pan of the car, and it should be hitting the back bumper. So my concern is, at something 17 years old, is this all oil leaks, or is it burning it internally, which brings up a whole other set of problems. 
So the right. only, the only way you're going to know for sure is wash everything down, get it as clean as you can get it, make sure it's dry, add a dye. There is a fluorescent dye that they can add to to the oil. Add a dye to the oil and drive the car, and then in a month okay. check the oil level. If you're down four quarts, but it's seeping around the valve cover and any of the other you know places that it might be leaking from, if that's a seep. That's not your leak, or that's not the, the, the majority of your leak. It's a consumption issue. It's internal in the engine. If after wiping everything down, and including the floor pan, so you get an idea of you know how far back the oil goes, right. uh, you know if, if, if that's dry, no, nah, it's, it's not the leak. It's, it's internal engine. And then at that point, you know, to go through and rebuild the engine, four quarts is excessive. The problem is I could sit here and say to you, hey, Peter, oil's cheaper than an engine, but the problem is going to also be at some point you're going to coat the catalytic converter and the oxygen sensors if it's really four quarts of oil, and you're going to burn up the cat in no time at all and be headed for a major repair there. So why don't we take it one step at a time? Let's get the engine washed down. Let's see, you know, let's get the engine as clean as we can, valve cover, oil pan, and any point in between. Let's get some of the floor pan underneath partially washed down so we can you know let's 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 make a fire line so to speak we know that it's wet here and dry here let's see does that does it get wet again in four months time and if so is it wet with fluorescent dye or is it old oil that just seemed to ooze out of the frame but if you've really lost four quarts of oil the worst oil leak i ever saw was a 92 volvo 240 wagon i think i talked about it here on air many years ago this oh, car yeah? this car had such a bad oil leak, the back bumper was dripping oil. And that was a quart in five hundred miles of an oil leak. It was it huh. was you know, it was maybe a quart, a quart and a half. It wasn't four quarts. I'm thinking four quarts is internal combustion or somebody measured it wrong the last time it was checked. So let's be sure of what it is we're 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 losing and right. try to find out where it's coming from before we do anything radical at this point. Another 30 days won't really matter. All right, sir? Yeah, that sounds like an excellent suggestion. I'll definitely do that. Okay, and then you give us a call back, and we'll tell you where we got to go from there. All right, I'll definitely do that. That's good advice. I didn't think about that, but that's okay. why you're the, the expert. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help, Peter. Yep. Thank you, sir. You have a good rest of the day, and I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. We will be back. T-shirt winner coming up next, right after this. Any in the car doctor, you know what? It's that time, yes, sir. We are giving away a car doctor t shirt. This one comes to us. This question comes to us courtesy of Jessica from Facebook. As we asked, if you're new to the show and you're just tuning in, what we're trying to do is uh, get more information from you, see what it is you're thinking about, what problems you're having, and we're also trying to give you the opportunity. We're a little car doctor bling, if you will and uh, get some T-shirts out into your hands because, you know, we know you're all looking for them. So for Jessica Walters out on Facebook, uh, California, uh, we tried getting a hold of you. But here you go. Let's answer your question. And uh, what we're going to do is post this question up on Facebook. We'll convert it and put it up there on Facebook after the show today. And uh, the answer will be there for her and everyone else. And uh, when Jessica contacts us, we'll be glad to send her out a Car Doctor T-shirt. She says, my question to qualify for the shirt. 
and I hope this is more than just for the shirt, but I get it, concerns my 1996 Jeep Cherokee, 4-liter, popping a 420 trouble coat. I could swap out the cat and probably be done, but I spent 11 years as an avionics tech in the Navy, which taught me thorough troubleshooting and diagnosing a problem is the proper way to do things. Hey, no kidding. I don't have access to an oscilloscope or a fancy scan tool, only a basic code scanner. In my attempt to see what I could figure out, I tapped into the signal wire from the upstream and downstream O2s with separate multimeters, one on each sensor. I then ran the engine until it was nice and warm. My problem is that the two rings were not the same which I figured would mean a dead cat, but every now and then the downstream would be nearly the same voltage as the upstream. Does this mean that the cat is on its way out but not totally shot or the O2 suspect? What else can I try to do and figure this out besides going out and spending big bucks on a scan tool or shotgunning the problem with parts? Thanks for any help you can give. This comes to us from Jessica off the Facebook page. Jessica, the problem with trying to troubleshoot a catalytic converter without a scan tool, it's it, It's difficult. What my suggestion would be is get out to walkerexhaust.com. Walker Exhaust, obviously, the manufacturers of Walker Exhaust, but one of the neat things is they offer some great troubleshooting tips on catalytic converters, a lot more than what I could explain to you here in a simple question. But what I'm giving you is the opportunity to look at some of their videos. They talk about looking at catalytic converter temperature, looking at engine temperature, because a thermostat can be the cause of the fault of a P0420, oxygen sensors, and how often oxygen sensors switch, how they uh, how they move in relation to each other, can definitely cause a P0420 fault code to set. And in general, the catalytic converter being worn out. Now, one of the things you say in your email is that when you looked at the readings, they were not the same, and you figured that would mean a dead cat. Actually, that's not correct. What we're looking for is the front oxygen sensor to have a good high-low switch, meaning that it goes up in voltage and down in voltage at a regular rate, at a constant rate, as it's supposed to. And the rear O2, if the catalytic converter is storing oxygen, and that's what a catalytic converter does, one of the things it does is it'll store oxygen so that it can later be used to convert the, the emissions coming in into harmless pollutants going out. You'll see that rear O2 at a fixed high rate, and that way you know that the cat is working. And it has to be done under certain conditions, more than I can explain here. And what I'm talking about is if you want to Google oxygen storage capacity test for a catalytic converter, that's one of the things we look at. And then the other is an oxygen sensor switch rate or ratio test of a catalytic converter. But all of this requires a good scan tool or the ability to look at both sensors on two separate multimeters. But however you do it, your question was good enough to make the grade in my book. Get out to walkerexhaust.com. They've got an excellent troubleshooting section there. And as soon as you contact us, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. And we will get a Car Doctor t-shirt out to you. We'd like to talk to you on the phone a little bit. Uh, we will make some phone contact available for you. And we can kind of go from there and glad to count you as part of the Car Doctor family. If you want a Car Doctor t-shirt, get out to the Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor Facebook page. Like the page. I can't stress that enough. So many people liked the post. That's not what it's about. Like the page. Like the page. Ask a question. And if we pick yours, we'll answer it right up here on air and send a Car Doctor t-shirt out to you of your very own. More coming up as we go on into the next hour coming around the bend. But for right now, I'm running and the Car Doctor. Let me pull over and take the pause. I'll be back right after this.
Welcome back. Why don't the car? Boy, where'd this hour go? Right by. I'm telling you, they just fly by. One more. We're going to sneak in this hour. Angela from Bangor, Maine, 2008 Ford Fusion. Angela, how can I help you? Hi. Hi. Um, so I have a six CD changer in my car. Uh oh. And Uh-oh. there's some CDs in there, but it's, I can't get them out. Uh oh. I went through this two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> CD changers are kind of neat. They a lot of technology here, and um, uh, they're tough to deal with. Now, is your CD changer mounted in the dashboard, or is it in the center console? Um, it's in the dashboard. It's in the dashboard, so it's part and parcel of the radio. Yeah. So that makes it a little more difficult. Um, were you using, just for knowledge's sake, were you using an off-brand CD, or are they all store-bought real music CDs? Are they, th- are you know, are these things you've made, or are they, you know, CDs that you've purchased as part of a, you know, regular CD? Well, to be honest, it's been so long, I don't know what's in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's, you know what, that happens too. Um, so right now, you just went to eject something, and they wouldn't eject. I've, I mean, it's, been this way for at least two years it doesn't even register the slots and it says there's no discs right see the only way the only way you're going to be able to do this is you're going to have to pull the radio and before you do that what i would tell you to do is i would go out to i would go out to ebay or amazon and just Mm -hmm. google search 2008 ford fusion 6 cd changer and see what comes up Okay. Uh, you know, when I did that, I was working on an O2 Taurus a couple of weeks ago. And when I did that in my research, I found out that if the worst case scenario was the CD changer was broken and I couldn't fix it, the guy was going to spend 100 bucks. So, <laughs> you know, at that point, I knew what the backup plan was. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fear this. The radios aren't the worst in the world to get out. There's either going to be, do you have the four holes on the side, the two holes on each side of the radio? Does your radio? What does your radio look like? Can you do you know off the top of your head? I'm sitting right in front of it. <laughs> what does it? What does it look like? Does it? Is it, it? Are there two small holes to the right and left of the radio where it looks like a long dowel rod would go in? No. Okay, so it's you, all part of this one. Okay, so section. it's right. Okay, so that means the cowl trim is going to have to come apart, and there'll be screws there. So what I would tell you then is get out to YouTube and see if anybody lists. 08 Ford Fusion radio removal, mm-hmm. and they'll break it out. And then once you get the radio out, what you're looking for is you're looking for, for lack of a better word, you're looking for an anomaly. You're looking for a disc that fell out of a um, uh, a tray. Remember, remember in school we had lunch on the tray? Yeah. Okay, right. And then when somebody came along and, and clipped your tray, your food went to the side and, and sometimes fell on the floor. One of your yeah. one of your CDs is about to get clipped. It's 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 falling off the tray like the food was. So if you can get the radio out, there should be a way to look in. There's a lot of screws in here. I have to warn you. Um, this is where the government puts all the extra screws. And it, once you get some covers off, keeping in mind you can't break it any worse than it is. You're mm-hmm. looking for a CD and a tray that are out of line. And okay. you know that's that's really what you're after here. So, but I would I would do it via eBay. I would do it via Amazon and YouTube. Between those three re- those three resources, uh, you should be able to find some information on how to get it out and then what it's going to cost if you just have to replace the whole unit. Hey, Angela, let me let me make your life a little easier. 
I, I, I like your pluck and I like your spirit. Stay on the line. Tom's going to get your information. Let's send you out a Car Doctor T-shirt, and uh, hopefully that makes your day a little bit better than it is while you're trying to struggle with your CD. Is that okay? You're, you're very welcome, Angela. You take, uh, you take good care. Stay on the line. Tom will pick up the phone and uh, talk to you shortly. We'll get that out to you in due time. Hey, wasn't it a great show? I tell you what, Madeline at the top of the hour, the little 12-year-old from Green Bay, Wisconsin, wanting to become an auto mechanic. Nothing better than that, folks. Not bad for a little dinky radio show that I keep getting to do. God bless. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.